0: Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this time that we can come and hear from your word together. Heavenly Father, we pray that you may indeed bless the preaching of your word. We pray that you would be with me. Help me to convey your truth clearly. And may your Holy Spirit work upon the hearts of those present this morning so that they're guided in the truth. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, have you ever worked hard at something and then realised that because you lacked a certain level of knowledge, that the labour was all in vain. I sometimes think about my previous career path in this this light. If I'd only known that I was going to go into ministry, then I would have chosen different things to do prior to coming into ministry. So prior to being a minister, I was a podiatrist, which meant I spent four years doing my bachelor and undergraduate degree, and then I did one year clinical practice, and then I did another three years doing my doctorate, getting my PhD in podiatry, and now I find that I'm starting to forget even basic anatomy. I have to think a little bit harder to try and recall some of the things that I learned when I was studying podiatry and when I was a podiatrist. And I think if I'd only known that I was going to go into ministry, then I would have studied something different at an undergraduate level. I probably would have done some sort of bachelor of arts, done some history study, done some language study, which would have helped me with learning Greek and Hebrew uh, when I went to theological college. I just think that all that time, seven years of study plus a year clinical experience, uh, it would have been far better if I'd just known what I was going to end up doing And so then it wouldn't have all been wasted. If I'd just known, if i just had knowledge about what I was going to end up doing with my life, then it wouldn't have been all that time was wasted. Now, of course, nothing is wasted in God's sovereignty. Uh, He knew exactly what he was doing in guiding me through that path, that journey. And uh, and so I'm sure there's benefits there, and I can see some benefits, uh, but I still think it would have been far better if I'd known where I was going to be, and so I wouldn't have worked hard at something to then let it all sort of slip away. And that's what we're look, going to be looking at this morning, is doing something without knowledge and then doing something with knowledge. Doing something without knowledge and doing something with knowledge. We've been working through John chapter 4 and Jesus' interaction with the Samaritan woman at the well in Samaria. And so I encourage you to have your church Bibles open to page 1053, 1053, As we've seen Jesus come and sit down at this well, he's had this long journey, sat down at the well, the Samaritan woman's come up, and he's intrigued her. He's spoken to her about this living water that he can give that will sustain her and give her eternal life. And she's then asked for this living water. And then Jesus has said to her to go and get her husband and has come to light that she has no husband. In fact, she's had five of them, and the man she is now living with is not her husband. And so then last time we looked at this passage together, which is actually quite a while ago because of Christmas getting in the way, Uh, last time we looked at this passage, we saw that the woman raised this question in verse 19 of John chapter 4. Verse 19, we see, Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. She's now, changing the subject, and we looked at this last time as to why she would do this, why would she start talking about worship when Jesus has confronted her with her sin? And we looked at different solutions to why she may be doing that, whether she's trying to change the subject, change attention away from her sin to speaking about another matter altogether, or maybe she's wanting to know how to worship God rightly. She's been confronted with her sin and she goes, well, how then do I worship God rightly. Do I worship him on this mountain or do I worship him on the mountain that the Jews claim is the right mountain to make sacrifices at? And so this morning we then come to verse 21 and Jesus' response to her statement there. And Jesus says two things. Verse 21, we read, Jesus declared, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. So the first thing he says is there's a time coming when it won't matter what mountain you worship God on won't matter whether you're worshipping here on Mount Gerizim in Samaria or worshipping in Jerusalem in Israel. It won't matter. And then he says, a second statement, verse 22, you Samaritans worship what you do not know, we worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. And that's what I want to focus on this morning. The, the statement from verse 21 about worship, I'll pick up. In verse 23 and following, because it explains it a little bit more there, Jesus was just raising the issue. But verse 22, there's this audacious statement that Jesus makes to this woman. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. Whereas we worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. He is saying that the Samaritans here Worship without knowledge. And that's my first main point this morning. Many worship without knowledge. If you want to follow my main points this morning, they're there inside the church bulletin. And the first is that the many worship without knowledge. See, the Samaritans claim to worship the same God as the Jews. But in reality, Jesus is saying here that they are worshipping a God that they don't know. They say that's the same God, but they don't really know that God. And so what Jesus is saying here is that all that hard work of worshipping God isn't really paying off at all because they're worshipping someone that they don't even know. Their worship is totally misguided. So how did the Samaritans come to worship what they don't know? How did they come to worship what they don't know? Well, when we spoke previously about the Samaritans, we saw that the Samaritans rejected The whole of the Old Testament except the first five books of Moses. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the law. They were happy to have that, but the rest of the Bible they did not know. They did not accept. And so their knowledge of God was imperfect. They had a knowledge of God up until the end of Deuteronomy, but then the rest of the Bible, the rest of the Old Testament that speaks, that reveals more and more about who God is and how he would have us live they had rejected and so they didn't know about the lord in the way that the jews did and so they were worshiping really a different god a god that they the revelation had stopped at the end of deuteronomy and they knew nothing more about him and so they were actually worshiping him in false ways if you look at the practice of the samaritans and how they first started out They were actually worshipping other gods whilst thinking that they could worship the God of the Jews. They thought that the God of Jews was the God of that land and so they would worship that God as well as worship other gods that they brought from the nation that they had come from. And so they were engaged in idolatry whilst still saying that they're worshipping the God of the Jews. And they were worshipping on the wrong mountain as uh, when we looked at uh, that passage, uh, those verses... Previously, we saw that it is meant to be Jerusalem that you worship God on, that you offer sacrifices and you 're not supposed to offer sacrifices on Mount Gerizim, and so they were engaged in false worship, they were engaged in grievous error here by worshiping without knowledge. If they'd known God better, then they'd be worshiping properly and they'd be worshiping someone that they don't that they do know. whereas the Jews, on the other hand, had accepted the other revelations from God in the Old Testament. And so they worshipped what they did know. And that's what Jesus is saying in verse 22. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. We as in the Jews. For salvation is from the Jews. And the Old Testament confirms this, that the revelation that was given to the Jews was indeed a revelation that was given to them so that they could know God. That psalm that we opened the service with this morning, Psalm 147, says, He, that's God, has revealed his word to Jacob, to Israel, his laws and decrees to Israel. He has done this for no other nation. They do not know his laws. Praise the Lord. God had revealed himself to Israel. And so they were worshipping God correctly. God hadn't revealed himself to other nations, he'd revealed himself to Israel. And so they were the ones who knew God. And so they were the ones who were worshipping a God that they knew and they were worshipping a God correctly. They were worshipping God correctly. And Paul also, the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, confirms the privileged status of the Jews as people who really did know God. Look with me at Romans chapter three. Romans chapter three, which is found on page one thousand one hundred and fourteen of the Church Bibles. One thousand one hundred and fourteen. Romans chapter three, which comes right after chapter two and chapter one, where Paul has been making a case that everyone is a sinner, everyone is unrighteous. Doesn't matter whether you're a Jew or not a Jew. Everybody is in the same boat. But then people say, well, hang on. What about the Jews being a privileged people by God? And so that then is a question that Paul seeks to answer in chapter 3, verse 1. Chapter 3, verse 1, Paul says, What advantage then is there in being a Jew? Or what value is there in circumcision? Much in every way. First of all, they have been entrusted with the very words of God. What is the advantage of being a Jew? You have been entrusted with the very words of God. You have been entrusted with knowledge. And so that then means you worship a God that you actually know. Not a God that's a figment of your imagination that you're going, well, there is a God and I'm not sure who he is and so I think he'd be like this and I think he'd want me to do this. No, the Jews didn't have to think like that because knowledge had been given to them. The Old Testament had been given to them. God had revealed Himself with special revelation to them so that they could then worship a God who they knew. And Paul says a similar thing in Romans chapter 9, verse 4 and 5. Flip with me a few pages over to that. Page 1119 of the Black Church Bibles. Romans chapter 9, and I'll read from verse 3. Verse 3. For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, those of mine, uh, my own race, the people of Israel. Now, verse 3 is an intriguing verse in itself, that someone could wish that they could be cut off from God for the sake of a whole nation, but that's not the subject of our discussion today. If you want to know more about that, ask me after the service. But verse 4 then continues. There, speaking of the Israel, is the adoption as sons. There's the divine glory, the covenants, The receiving of the law, the temple worship, and the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs, and from them is traced the human ancestry of Christ, who is God over all, forever praised. Amen. See the privileges that Paul is pointing out that the Jews have? What are the privileges that they have? They have adoption as sons. They have the divine glory. They have the covenants. They have those promises that God made with them again and again throughout the Old Testament. The receiving of the law. They have been given the law. Isn't it wonderful that you actually know what God wants you to do? That you're not scrabbling and trying to work out what is the law that God would have us follow? They have been given the law. Uh, they have also been given the temple worship. Uh, which is the big subject that this Samaritan woman has raised with Jesus is where do we worship? Which temple is the right temple? Mount Gerizim or Jerusalem? Uh, and they also have the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs. That's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the patriarchs. Uh, they, they have those guys. They, they can trace their ancestry back to them. And even Christ is part of that ancestry. Christ is a Jew, he was a Jew. A lot of people are anti-Semitic and people who call themselves Christians can be anti-Semitic, but they seem to forget that Jesus was a Jew. They were a privileged race and they were worshipping a God that they actually knew then because God had revealed himself to them. Whereas in contrast, the Samaritans, they had some revelation about God, but they were in reality worshipping a God that they didn't know because they were rejecting the rest of the knowledge that had been given to the Jews. They were rejecting that and not knowing God through that. So they had a concept of someone, but then were making up how that person, who that person actually was and how they should behave towards that person. Kind of like you might do with a family member that you've never actually known, but you knew existed. You may not have had the privilege of growing up with your parents. Your father may have been completely unknown to you. You knew something of him. You maybe knew his name. Maybe knew what state he lived in. But you had very little contact with him. And then you make up over the years what your father is actually like. You look at other fathers around you and you think, oh, my father's like that. That's how my father would be. And that's what my father would do for a job. And then, maybe decades down the track, you actually meet your father for the first time. And he turns out to be a totally different person from the person that you've been thinking about for decades. He's totally different because you've been thinking about someone that you don't really know. I sometimes experience a taste of this. I, I, I know different family members. I've never sort of constructed, uh, I don't think, uh, information about people that I, I don't really know. But I find this to happen when I read a book and I love the book and I fall in love with the characters and I really uh, I feel like they're my friends. And then you watch a movie of that book. Have you ever done this? And the actor is totally not the person that you pictured in the book. And you just totally reject the movie because I just can't stand it. That's not how he looks. That's not how I've imagined him. He's far different from that. I've seen this with girls and uh, Jane Austen. And uh, a new Pride and Prejudice comes out and they go, did you see what Mr Darcy looks like? You know, they know Mr. Darcy from their imagination. And so then they have this whole construction about who Mr. Darcy is. And so when they see Mr. Darcy in this film, they go, that's not the Mr. Darcy I know. And that's what the Samaritans were doing with God. They were saying, this is the God that we worship. When in reality, it wasn't God at all. It was a construction of their own imagination rather than God himself himself revealing to them who he is and many people still do this today my first main point was that many worship without knowledge it's not just the samaritans who are guilty of this cults do it today different religious denominations do it today many people claim to worship god but then they ignore god's revelation about who he really is for example Well, people who ignore Christ's divinity. They don't want to know Christ as divine. They say they worship God. They may even say they worship Jesus, but they don't worship him as a divine being. They don't worship him as God. The JWs are a modern example of this. They're happy to say they worship God, but they don't mean Jesus Christ. They don't worship him as divine. People might reject Christ's humanity, They claim to worship God, but they reject that Christ was ever fully human. And an early heresy started in the early church of the Gnostics. They couldn't believe that God himself would take on flesh. Flesh is bad. Spirit is good. Flesh is bad. And so then they were claiming to worship a God that is not the God of the Bible. Some people will reject that God is Trinity. They'll say they worship God, but they reject that he is Trinitarian, as the Bible proclaims. Examples of this are Islam and Mormonism happy to say they worship god but not the god of the scriptures some people say they worship god but they don't want to approach god in the way that he is ordained through christ alone through christ's work at the cross example of this is roman catholicism as much as roman catholics believe many similar things to what we believe about who jesus is and his divinity and his humanity his death on the cross they believe that you can approach god in different ways you can approach god through mary you can approach God in, in through different saints. This is not the teaching of scriptures, and so they're engaging in a type of false worship when they do this. They're not engaging God, the God of the Bible. And then, of course, people reject different doctrines that are in the Bible, like um, the doctrine of hell. Uh, they don't think that God should uh, be a God who eternally punishes people for their sins. And people reject uh, teachings about sexual laws. They don't want a God who governs their sexual lives or their different morality the different behaviors that they engage in they don't want that type of god and so they're rejecting the god of the bible they're making their own god and as you may think oh well he's attacking all these different cults and and different religions but i can recognize that major denominations do this at different points in church history as well all the denominations presbyterians ankins baptists pentecostals They can say they worship God and be only an inch thick in their knowledge. They can be broad, huge denominations, huge numbers of people following them, mega churches, pastors who have great control, but their knowledge is so limited. They've rejected so much of the scriptures. They've constructed their own God and are worshipping a different God from the God of the Bible. But you may be asking, well, why is it important? That we worship God with knowledge. What does it matter? As long as you worship God, it's okay, isn't it? You don't need to have lots of knowledge about him to worship him. What's the point? Well, Jesus makes a second statement. The second part of that statement that he makes in verse 22 should send shivers down our spines if we're worshipping God without knowledge. What does he say in verse 22? You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. For salvation is from the Jews. And that brings me to my second main point this morning. Worship with knowledge brings salvation. Worship with knowledge brings salvation. If you're worshipping God without knowledge, you're worshipping without salvation. Whereas if you worship God with knowledge, you have salvation. And this makes sense. How can you call for someone to come and help you if you don't know who they are. Imagine you are having a heart attack and you know that you need someone to help you. And you might even know that it's the ambulance that you need to call. You need to call the ambos to come and help you out. But you don't know what number to call them on. You don't have knowledge about them so then you can't get salvation from them because you aren't going to call them. You might call somebody else, and they aren't going to be much help to you. You need to know those people that can give you salvation. And so you, and, and so then here we see that Jesus says you need to know that the God you worship, you need to know him, or you won't have salvation. Salvation comes from Judaism, and it comes from Judaism because they have knowledge of God. The Bible again and again revealed from the very beginning right through to the New Testament. It reveals again and again that salvation comes by trusting in the Messiah, by trusting in Jesus Christ. The revelation gets more and more full as time develops, but it always comes. Salvation comes by trust in the Messiah, by trusting in Jesus Christ. The Old Testament teaches that, and that's a Jewish book. The New Testament teaches that, and that's pretty much a Jewish book as well, written by mostly Jews. So salvation comes from the Jews in the sense that they're the ones that have knowledge of how you can be saved by faith in Jesus Christ. It's interesting here that Jesus is not saying that it's only the Jews who are saved then. They have the knowledge. They have salvation by that knowledge. Does that mean that if you're not a Jew then you can't actually participate in that knowledge and you can't participate then in salvation. You can't be saved from your sins. Well, how does Jesus phrase it here in verse 22? You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Another way of translating that, the Greek word there is out of, out of the Jews. Salvation comes out of them comes out of the knowledge that they have but even out of the fact that Jesus is a Jew a Jewish of Jewish descent and of course he is the salvation that we enjoy his sacrifice at the cross for our sins grants us salvation instead of us being punished for our sins he is punished on our behalf and we can then be saved so salvation comes from knowledge which has been granted to the Jews but then is opened up to everybody who wants to know. So what does this mean for you today? What does it mean for the Samaritan woman there so many years ago? What does it mean for you today? It means you need to devour the scriptures. You need to devour the knowledge that has been granted to the Jews and is contained in the Bible because salvation is at stake. If you worship a God without knowledge, then you don't have salvation. You need to know the one you're calling on for salvation. And so then you need to know his revelation, what he's revealed about himself, and not simply make it up out of your own mind. So that's why we here at Ramoyan Baptist place a high importance on studying the Bible. Individually, you're expected to read your Bibles. And if you're a member of the church, you might even dread my pastoral visits where I come along and... Every six months, touch base with you, find out how church is going, find out what I can be praying for you, and I also ask about your relationship with the Lord. And I say particularly, Bible reading and prayer. And I know for some of you, it's a, you know, Bible reading is a bit of a struggle, and I know it's been a struggle at points in my life, and still some days it's, it's really hard work. But I ask this question not simply because I enjoy making you uncomfortable about your Bible reading, I ask it because I know that knowledge comes from the Bible and then knowledge of God brings salvation. And I want you to be saved. I want you to have that knowledge that brings salvation. I want you to be continuing to learn about your God so that you can continue to call on him and have that salvation that he gives through the scriptures. Even now, I ask you, say it's a bit of a pastoral visit right now, how is your Bible reading going? How did it go yesterday? Saturday. Maybe that's a bit too close for comfort. What about Friday? How did it go on Friday? Did you hear from your father on Friday? Did you listen to your father's voice? Did you learn a little bit more about the God that you claim to worship because you read his word? How are you going in learning about your father? Are you seeing it as a priority each day to spend some time learning about the God that you worship? So individually, we at Dremoyne Baptist encourage you to read your Bibles, but also corporately. We expect here that we will teach the Bible at Dremoyne Baptist and do what the Bible says. We preach the Bible here. We teach the Bible in different ways, not just preaching on Sundays. We have different classes, different Bible studies. We read the Bible aloud here, we pray the Bible, we sing the Bible and we seek to live the Bible. We seek to do what the Bible says, not just be a hearer of the word but also a doer of the word. Some people are sometimes surprised at us as Baptists. We're a bit of a peculiar bunch in some ways and uh, in comparison to other Christians that are out there and other people that call themselves Christians and have different churches and they say, why don't you do this and why don't you do that? Why do you do this? There's different things that we do that people go, why do you do that? And the answer should always be, because it's in the Bible. If you can show me something that we're lacking here at Drummond Baptist from the scriptures, then we should start doing it. We try to govern ourselves by the scriptures here, not by the ideas of men, but the ideas of God. We're always seeking to put the Bible into practice here and to hear that Bible, hear our Father's voice speaking to us so that we can know him and know how to worship him and so that we can have that salvation that he promises, that we can be saved from our sins and enjoy eternity in heaven. So we are to know our God by reading his word, which means we shouldn't detach ourselves from the Bible, allowing our own thoughts to govern who God is. Sometimes you might hear people say, oh, I couldn't believe in a God that allows suffering. What are they doing? They're making up a God as they do that, rather than believing in the God who is there and has told us that he allows suffering in this world. Some people say, I couldn't believe in a God who is Trinitarian, who is three in one, or I couldn't believe in a God who became man. What are they doing? They're making up their own God, not the true God who rules the world. Some people say, I couldn't believe in a God who doesn't have complete control or doesn't give me what I want. God is there to be this eternal present giver to me. And if he isn't that, well, then I can't believe in him. He doesn't allow me to be who I am. Doesn't allow me sexual freedom to do whatever I like. That's not the God that I can believe in. So I'll make my own God up who allows me to do whatever I want. If you hear someone making up who God is, don't listen to them. Particularly when they say, well, I think God is... No. When they say, I think, that's a big indicator that you're on a bad path. It should be, well, the Bible says God is. The Bible says God is. I love hearing people when I I recently went to a preacher's conference and there were all these pastors up on stage uh, for a panel discussion. And there was one pastor that kept on quoting scripture from memory And I just loved him. I I already liked him beforehand. But I loved him up there on that stage because the other pastors, you know, they were giving their advice and wisdom and thoughts and stuff. But this one just kept on saying, well, doesn't it say in James? And doesn't it say in 1 Peter? And doesn't it say in Isaiah? And he just kept on referring to the scriptures, which is showing that he is looking at a God he knows from the scriptures, not from his own thoughts. So if you hear someone saying that, I think God is. I think God does this. I think God would do that. Don't listen to them. And in fact, given the circumstances, whatever circumstances they may be in, might even be worth rebuking them as Jesus does here. I mean, Jesus is rebuking this woman, really. He's saying, our fathers, uh, sorry, you Samaritans worship what you do do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. This is an audacious statement to say that you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know who you're worshipping. But Jesus says it to her so that she'd be awakened to the fact that she is wasting her time in worshipping a God that she doesn't know. And it's far worse than even my five years of study. uh, No, seven, I can't count. Four years undergrad, three years PhD in podiatry. Seems like a waste of time. But in the end, it's not that big a deal because salvation is not at stake. Whereas imagine worshipping a God that you don't know for decades and decades. And then you you turn around and you find out that you're worshipping someone you didn't even know. It's not the God who made everything who you've been worshipping. You've been worshipping a God that is a construct of your imagination And if you'd only read the scriptures, you would would have been worshipping all that time someone you did know and who does grant salvation. So are you worshipping without knowledge? If you're doing that, then you're wasting your time and running the risk of not inheriting salvation, of not having eternal life. Don't worship without knowledge. You need the knowledge of the person that you're worshipping. And that comes through the scriptures. I encourage you in 2016, you've got a new year before you. If you have been worshipping without knowledge in the past, confess it to the Lord, ask for his forgiveness for 2015 and prior. 2016, seek to know the one whom you're worshipping so that you will have salvation. Start reading the scriptures for yourself and with others so that you can then worship one you know and have salvation let's come to God in prayer, let us speak with him Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you do reveal yourself to us you didn't have to, but you do you revealed yourself to the Jews you showed them who you were and how they were to worship you Lord, we thank you that that salvation does indeed come out of the Jews it is from the Jews which means we can share in it today as well many Jews have embraced you and worshipped you properly and are rejoicing with you even now the Lord many Gentiles, many non-Jews have also come into your kingdom because they have sought to worship one they know rather than worship one who is a construct of their own imaginations Lord we pray that we may always seek to worship one we know, may we devour your scriptures knowing that in there is true knowledge of the God who made us And therefore, there is salvation through knowing the one who made us and reveals himself to us in the scriptures. So Lord, we pray that we would indeed be people of the book and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. And we pray this in his name. Amen.